Welcome back to another edition of the Be Forever Cool podcast. My name is Rex45, um, and I have the pleasure of having Jim. I don't know if you want to give your last name or not, but that's up to you. Um, McConville. McConville. You know, uh, I want to welcome him to the show. Uh, You know, I've learned a lot from from this guy here. Uh, I remember I was in Homestead, I think it was. It was Homestead. uh, 2020 pandemic year, which... Thank God for, you know, track people that opened the track is I think by June we were able to get back out and um, and get on the track, you know, and, and we were talking down in Homestead and and, you know, I was just like, man, I want to race some more. And 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 that's when you chimed in and you started telling me stuff, right? Yeah, I was telling them that, you know, I race all over the all up the up and down the coast and all these different tracks. And it's just a really cool experience You. You get to different tracks. You get to meet all cool new people, and it's it's just a good time. Uh, and you know, I was skeptical at first, uh, you know, uh, because just thinking about you know the logistics parts of it, you know, and and getting down to um, because we, you know we're in, we're in Massachusetts and it's a long ride, um, and you know it, 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 you got me thinking about like the schedule, and you were talking to me about Azure and just uh, Azra. Um, you know, tech. T- I was doing working earlier, so you know how that, that is. <laughs> and you know, you, you know, you had me th- thinking about the track, and you were just like, "Yeah, man, go ahead and 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 look at the schedule and 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 kind of pay a cl- take a closer look because a lot of the races overlap." And and you, you made it seem like it, w- it wasn't a bad experience. And you know, so you know, before we get into like scheduling and stuff like that, though, let let's talk about like how long you've been racing and um and and when did you start going? Pretty you know wherever you wanted to go race. So my rookie year was up in New Hampshire in 2011, and I believe in 2012 was my first time with a buddy. We wanted to go to Jersey and, and check that out, and uh, we had a great time. We went the following year, and, and at that point, I started fading away from my home track and wanted to venture everywhere else and see you know, what else are I like and, and what other tracks there are and, and what to learn, be a better rider, a well-rounded rider instead of learning to ride at one track. Got you, got you. And so, were you when you when you first started? You already knew about all these other tracks. You were you were doing track days and stuff like that. No, no, no. I maybe went to one or two of them before that. Um, VIR was probably the only one I went to before before that happened, and I just figured I'll check them out. You know, it's it's a good way to learn. Yeah, yeah. I kind of you know I, I I you know I was talking with with TJ. Uh, you know, on earlier shows and talking about like not really doing a track day, and and you know, you chimed in saying, well, you know, getting your license is a track day weekend, um, you know. But you know, for me, I didn't. You know, it took me like seven or eight years to 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 say, okay, let me go somewhere else and race. And it seems like you were doing that kind of early on. Yeah, I, like I said, I went to a couple of the tracks. I went to Jersey and, and Daytona and had a blast and learned some. So made some new friends while I was out there and thought, you know, this isn't as intimidating as I was afraid to because our home track up in New Hampshire, the whole season's at this one track and you, you, you build a family from being there. So you right. kind of feel like the new kid on the block when you go somewhere else. And, um, I didn't really get out of my comfort zone going to these other tracks. So I just kind of wanted to expand and, and go to more and kind of like what you do now, you just want to go to a new track almost every year. Got you. And, and, and when did you decide like, you know, you were going to do, like, all the regions of CCS and, and ASRA. Was that right off the rip? Uh, 2014. That was when I was going after the, the ASRA National Championship, and I wanted to do three other regions. So I, I went full send in 2014. 
and it kind of been doing it ever since. I got burnt out, to be honest, that year. Um, and then I, I ran into some injuries from crashes and uh, scaled it back a lot. And then basically when COVID happened and we couldn't go anywhere, that's like you said, I looked at the schedule and a lot of um, a lot of the different regions all kind of bled into each other in the same schedule. So I looked at this set off. Oh, I do these couple weekends. I can do all these regions. And, and I had a blast doing that. So I kind of kept doing it since then. Got you, got you. And in the beginning, um, and even now, but more in the beginning, when you when you started camping out and stuff like that, and and planning your trips, um, you know, like what are some of the, the mistakes you know you've made or things you've learned along the way? So, I can at least say my my first CCS experience. Uh, my friend and I rented a, a tent. It was the display model that could fit nothing more than a queen mattress in there, and wow. we just didn't know. It was the two of us sharing a sharing that small tent and it was like 90 degrees in the middle of the summer and it was brutal and then the next time we went we took his air conditioner out of his window and tried to zip it around the tent (laughs) and then we didn't think about the condensation drip so it dripped inside our Uh, tent and everything got flooded inside there so you know we learn along the ways and and i've noticed with with chris too is the more he kept going he kind of kept paying attention to my pit and my trailer set up and things started clicking and making sense and you know, I could see him taking notes like all right next weekend I need you know walls for my canopy next time I need another canopy and now I need a generator and it, it just it's a you know a long time of developing um, a list of the things to, to be prepared gotcha gotcha I haven't even commented that you know you should write a book because there is there is so much information I mean even you know getting to the track early um, and, and why do we want to get to the track early <laughs> That's another lesson I learned the hard way is um, when I was limited with vacation time, I would I would do these road trips that are like 1,000 miles, and I would do the whole trip in maybe two days, show up exhausted Friday night, wake up for tech and morning practice, and then learn a new track. And, and I just didn't get to enjoy it because I was always tired and, and not well-rested. So now my game plan is to get there a day early uh, from when I'm riding, whether I'm doing the track day or, or not until race day, but I'll get there at least a day to recoup relax and set up and and be ready to ride yeah um and that's very important like you i i showed up you know late night and and try to get up early and and you know by sunday i'm like i'm i'm, I'm not racing today because i'm done and you you're checked like out. right and you're like you know you got you got to get here sooner got to get here sooner and and and, and now i i follow suit in in, in trying to get to tracks as, as early as possible um and even even you know uh when you when you sign up for races right it, it makes sense to get there early. It makes sense to do that early too. You're spending a lot of time and money to commit yourself to do these weekends. You want to enjoy it to the full capacity. Yeah, you definitely, definitely. Um, now, I, I notice you don't necessarily cook, but you have a lot of a, a lot of stuff. Um, I mean, it seems like you're kind of prepared just about most, almost every condition. I did try the cooking a couple times. I would bring a little portable grill and propane, but the problem for me was was keeping the food cold because if I was taking two or three days to get to the track, I didn't want to deal with ice packs and keeping everything in coolers. So it was just easier for me to just to go get takeout and not deal with, you know, the condiments, the the, pap- the plates and the forks, knives and, and all that. It, it just, it was too much work for me, especially going by myself. Right, right. Uh, but you have an ice maker. I did get an ice maker, and that was that was probably my last uh, my last little gadget that I bought for the pit setup. Um, again, when you're at the racetrack and it's 100 degrees out, 
and you need to get ice for your cooler and it's five miles down the road and it's six bucks a bag, it's just easy to pour your own from a, a you know bottle of uh, water and, and make your own ice at your convenience. Right, right. And I think that's the biggest thing I learned is like the more things that you can do for yourself, um, the easier it is uh, your weekend, you know, whether it's bike maintenance or picking up food ahead of time and, and doing all these things. Um, and, and because if not, your, your weekend is is can be horrible, right? Convenience is key. I mean, like I said, you're spending a lot of time and money to be there at the racetrack and you want to enjoy it to your fullest. So anything you can do to make it more convenient and less stressful. So have your bike prepared fully and deal with your food or, or make a buddy system, which was big for me, is to set up your pit and air somebody that you know. That way you kind of can help each other out in, in a sudden situation like a like a rain event or, or a crash or something like that. Right, right. And even being able to choose, you know, you know, on top of the hill versus in the swamp just when it rains, right? I, I had my tent floating in New Jersey one year. So I learned the low spots on the track there, too. You know, oh, there's one mistake I keep having, which is uh, I've been destroying my canopies. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I think I'm on my fifth canopy. I think I went through two or three this year. So, um, you know, paying attention to, like, wind conditions and these things. Yeah. You know, again, things I see you do is this, it, it just like, you know, you know when it's going to rain. Like the night before, you, you're like you're lowering in your, your your tent, your canopy because it's going to be windy. Um, and these are just from you know hard learned mistakes or just you know talking to people. Um, just kind of paying attention to what happens in the paddock and seeing you know people that don't flip their canopies. I've seen them get destroyed in the wind, or if it's not going to be windy and it's raining, I see people setting up you know the canopy walls, and and it just kind of clicks like oh. They're going to keep their stuff and their electronics dry because everything's walled in. They're making a fort. Nice, nice. Um, now getting to the track, uh, you know, I you've 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 put me onto a few apps that save some 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 cash essentially. Um, it seems like you know again you want know, to talk about that a little bit. This it just goes through years of experience and every dollar counts. So if you can save some money on gas and it converts into getting another rear tire for a race, even the better. So apps like Gas Buddy or, or ones that um, work with traffic and routing. Um, there's another one that I use for, I think, Truck Map, I think it's called, because you can basically say that I have a trailer, so it'll avoid routes like in Connecticut that, that don't allow trailers or, or parkways. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So there's stuff like that that just makes things less stressful for your trip. I, I, I got on Spring Hill Parkway with my trailer, with this trailer. And um, I got to the point where it said like, you know, like eight point something height and I was able to get off barely. And it was like a tight, tight, tight. I, I'm, I'm surprised I didn't hit the car or, or hit the Jersey barrier. Um, it is it's very important to have apps that avoid, you know, low bridges and, and, and roads that, you know, you're not supposed to be on because you have a trailer. That'd be a very expensive mistake. <laughs> I, I've had a few of those. <laughs> 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 Definitely had a few of those. Now, um, even like like talk about like you know your your, your trailer maintenance and just your car maintenance because like it, it seems like you have a log of you know just about every mechanical part that that can go wrong. You know, changing fluids a certain time. I mean, right. So like like I've explained to Chris, like you're you're traveling a thousand miles and you're giving up vacation time and spending money to do all this. 
you really don't want to miss out on that weekend or your plans because of a mechanical failure, whether it's your bike, your tow rig, or even your car. So I'm very on top of making sure my trailer bearings are repacked at least once a year and making sure the transmission and the gear fluing in my vehicle is is always clean and checked and topped off and make sure the bike is ready to go. That way when I'm at the pits, I don't have to think about this. I can just throw a leg over and ride. Right, right. Yeah, I, I will say you're one of the few people that have uh, car issues or, 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 or bike issues. But you also do a lot of that, your work yourself. Um, and now do you, you, you must use like friends and, and, and the web for a, a lot of information to help you along the way. I've just been kind of learning as I go. Um, I One of my good friends that actually got me into this and doing this started, taught me in the beginning on, on how to do these things, and we worked on other people's bikes. And then I just kind of went from there on my own, and, and just fortunately or unfortunately, I've been racing the same bike for 10 years. So, you know, once you kind of learn the ins and outs out of it once, you can do it blindfolded. Right, right. That is true. Um, I don't know if I can have a bike, one bike for 10 years. <laughs> I'm working on it. <laughs> um, now, so now, what, what's planned um, for this year? Um, and you know, what do you have your sights set on? So for me, I I've always had an interest in trying Wera just because they go to different tracks that I've never been to, and I always at least want to go to one track, new track to me each year. Um, and one that's been high on my list is Barbara Motorsports Park. Okay. Um, I went there a year or two ago to help pit crew for a buddy that was doing Moto America, and I saw the place and did a track walk, and I'm like, I need to ride here. So um, at the end of the CCS season last year, I started looking at Wera and said, you know, I'm, I'm going to try these guys. They go to some tracks that I've been wanting to go to. Gotcha. Yeah, I'm hopefully do the same uh, this year. I, I, I definitely want to try to get to Barbara, maybe Talladega. Um, this year, uh, have you have you been out? To, I know you, you did like Black Hawk. Have you done like Mid Ohio or any of those tracks? Uh, not Mid Ohio, but I've done uh, as far as the Midwest goes. I've done Road America a couple times, which is an amazing facility, amazing track. Uh, I went to Audubon a few times. I did their North and South courses a couple times, and I've been to Black Hawk a few times. Which I'm really a big fan of that place, even though the track may not be very agreeable to most riders. Yeah, very tight, very very small. I, I like it, I and I'm hoping to go back this year. Uh, I'm, I'm probably going to try to run back the Azra series this year. Uh, I, I do like it because it really showed me how much space I have on these other tracks. <laughs> you, when you when you start going to the nicer tracks that are freshly paved, you, you get very spoiled, and then when you go to an older track that's got the history and, and it's quite bumpy, you kind of forget... And the Holy trees. Crap. Can't and forget trees, those trees. The curbs, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Don't look at the trees. Look at the track, man. <laughs> um, no, uh, Blackhawk was, was a fun time. I'm looking forward to going back there. Um, now, what do you think about, um, you know, uh, Loudon and, and the Neymar series and the classic and, you know, the big $250,000 purse? That that's bringing a lot of attention lately. A lot of attention. They, they just released the the current list of the entries for the classic today. Yep. And there's some big names in there, man. I'm 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 really rooting for some of these these guys, and I hope the locals can can really dice it up with with the top pros that are going. And uh, it's it's going to be a fun race, and it's nice that they're adding a couple extra laps to it too. Yeah, for sure. I think it's twenty five. Twenty five. Uh, 
And I assume some of these guys are going to have to come to Loudoun before. So I've heard from a few people that some of the big names have already committed a few months ago when, when the purse money was being discussed, that they were going to go to a couple of the rounds, obviously, whether, you know, depending, right. but just to get some extra seat time because a, a track day is not going to be good enough for these guys to be competitive at that level with some of the locals that have been racing at the same track for 15 40 years. Well, 15, since the, years, the, right. the new track layout, right? I guess whenever right. that was. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you, you, who do you have your, 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 you have a, you have a favorite yet or who do you think is going to? So I, I actually just had this discussion before I came here with uh, one of my friends who's a, a long-term Loudon rider. Um, my top pick is going to be uh, Josh Hayes. Okay. And I think second's going to be Shane because that's, that's his home track and he's, he's the king of Loudon at this point. Okay. Um, third, I, I'm thinking it's either going to be Stefano or, or Tyler Scott. Okay. And, um, I haven't done all the five, but I, I think it, it fifth place was going to be, um, I forget the list now. I forget the other guy. Oh, uh, that Scott Greenwood, I think is going to be probably fifth. Okay. Um, but I'm missing like a fourth position. I haven't figured that out yet. Eric Wood. I don't know if he can, if he can do that many laps for that long though. That's. That's true. Um, now they were on a um, a, po- a podcast the other day, and and they 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 all they sound like they're training for it. I, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing uh, what, what what I think Sweeney and, and Heron are going to be battling back and forth a lot. I, I think that their riding style, and I think they'll be pretty close with their laps too. It, I think that'll be pretty exciting too. Okay. I, I can't wait, um, yeah. and and I think it's going to spectate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not yeah. to ride it. No, no, no. I'm not, I, I mean, I'm 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 probably going to race that day, but not in that, yeah. um, for sure. But uh, yeah, no, I'm I'm looking forward to it because you know the classic in general has always been the biggest weekend, um, and it's the hundred running runneth. It's the oldest um, racing series in the country. Um, so it, for motorcycle racing, um, so it, it, it's it's a big deal. Uh, so um, and I can't. I, I, I got and, and it's Bike Week too, and it's the largest purse in, in um, sports history in, in the U.S. I believe too. So that's why it's bringing so much attention to, for people to go. So um, I'm just hoping they bring additional bleaches because there's going to be a lot of people there to watch. A lot of X racers are going to be going. Yeah, I, I think so. I think so. You, you think they'll just kind of open up uh, the, the the regular sections for folks to to to, to check out the NASCAR seating? Yeah. Um, they always have them open, but there's only usually a few people out there. Right. I'm looking for more bleachers, like in turn six or turn three, like oh. where a lot of the passing action happens. I think you could, you're going to have to just be on your bike and just go to different places just to see how. Oh, I guess I guess the practices are going to be pretty cool to watch too, though. Everything it's it's going right. to be exciting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I mean, from so and they're probably going to have a they're probably going to have at least maybe two days because last year they didn't have two practices they usually have two practice days on 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 that weekend so they might even bring that back so these guys get more time to dial their bikes in and yeah it's going to be people have their eyes on the top pros but that's a real tough track to learn and it's going to take a lot of seat time so yeah um that's why i still think the locals are gonna are gonna be up there in the top five top ten because they've got 10 15 years experience at this track they know every bump and crevice of that place and what to avoid and, and the fast guys with with the talent they're just they're going to show up with their super fast bikes and and you know have have a struggle to learn yeah yeah i can i can see that they, um they used to perfect tracks <laughs> <laughs> loudon is perfect 
uh, in its own way, right? It's funny. We've, we've heard uh, people, you know, that either raced at Loudoun and, or heard of it. Like, you know, I remember they were talking about adding around to uh, the Atlantic region of, 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 of C, uh, CCS and somebody was just like, oh, Loudoun is a death trap. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and the, the one year that they did that, they mixed up a, a Loudoun event at Jersey and then a CCS event went to Loudoun. Right. Um, the riders were very um, worried or concerned at, at first, but then some of the guys that I talked to that I knew at CCS races, they the more they got there, the more they felt comfortable and they actually enjoyed it and said I would come back here. And actually for the for the Loudon Classic, there is a, a CCS rider that did exactly that, and he's now going to enter in the in the Classic for this year. Nice, nice. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be fun. Uh, I, I can't wait. Even, I guess, even going up because there's only two rounds before it. I think it's the third round. Yeah. Now, do you do you have your top predictions? No, I, I mean I guess um, I like Brandon Posh, um, but who knows what he's going to do on that seven six five? The seven oh yeah seven six five is a good bike to run around at Loudon. Uh, we see from Ian uh, on on his seven six five or six seventy five, depending on which bike he's running. So uh, I'm I'm a fan of his um, local, uh, you know yeah. You can't bet against uh, Greenwood, right? And um, Shane is a, is is I'd probably say is there. It, Eric Wood is uh, he hasn't he's riding he he's riding his, his eight forty eight. Uh, oh, he's got an eight forty eight build like what he raced uh, back. In, I think it was AMA or or, or, or um, before I got to Loudon. Um, and, and he may have a V two, so it'll be interesting because he's familiar with that bike. So yep. you know. So, um, can't forget Eli. He was doing that race. He was doing that race for a while on a, on a single cylinder. I was, Imagine what he's going to do with three more cylinders. Yeah. I was going to say Eli <laughs> as well. Cause he did a one twelve probably for his second time, uh, or third, or third on weekend on R six. Right. Like I think there's like two, maybe two rounds it. So, you know, I, you know, I think it's 25 laps and it, it, it's going to be the cooler heads. That that finish you got to finish right. So I I think I think the people that can, you know, I think the the pros and Greenwood and 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 Eric, um, I think those guys, you know, they they're patient, um, and and so, you know, I I'll bet my money on the older riders because, Loudon, I think you have to be patient to 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 especially for twenty five laps. I mean, I've, the most I've done at Loudon is like seventeen laps, in a race, and and so it's twenty four too many laps for me. <laughs> Uh, not you know, it's not bad. It, it, it's you know, it's what I it's what I I, lo- I started on. Um, so I, I you know I, I like it, and I, I still want to race at it, um, and and plan to until until you know it, it doesn't make sense. But um, you know, from a from a, I mean, I've crashed in turn three two times. So it, you know, it's that's what it is. You just if you haven't <laughs> crashed in turn three, are we even allowed in racer. <laughs> I split my bike in half one time there. Yeah, I, 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 heard, I heard stories about, <laughs> <laughs> about that. So, and and I think that's the the the, the biggest part is probably turn three, uh, but it's also the slowest turn. So you know it it is what it is. But you know it definitely will be fun to watch. So people you know definitely come out and and I, I, do you th- do you think it's our, the entries is already full? No. Okay. No, there's still going to be some some gaps for people, and I'm sure people will try to do some last minute entries once they 
see the purse money. Right, right. Yeah, because I even heard they 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 maybe even uh, I don't know if it's a, a superbike world champion or world, yeah. I, I assume it's superbike because uh, if you win in the U.S., well, you're not world champion, right? You just you. Well, Richie Escalante's um, on the list, and I'm I'm actually surprised PJ didn't because he's somewhat of a local and he he learned on that track when he was starting his racing career yeah so you know there's some big names and some big riders so i mean last year the the classic was fun to watch so and and you know and so i can only imagine this year it's gonna be wild i'm I'm looking forward to sitting in the bleachers with a drink and and watching it happen and not being on the track doing that (laughs) for 25 laps come on man 25 laps is nothing you you (laughs) can do 25 laps you you know uh not consecutively (laughs) Back to, if you do back-to-back races, it's at least 16. Well, I guess it depends on which track you're at. Yeah. You know, um, that, you know I, I like the GTUs and, and stuff. I didn't do many last year, but the first year when I was going up and down, which also helped me learn the, the, the tracks doing the GTU. So I, I kind of got used to it. Okay. Um, so speaking of the classes, when you started reaching out to me a couple of years ago and said, how do you pick your schedule? How do you know what you're doing? How did you figure out your schedule now in, in your regions? I was, I kept calling you. <laughs> I was like, what does this mean? What does that mean? Uh, no, it, it, it's, you know, I, I stress in, in early episodes, like real, re, read the real books, the rule book. Um, because, yeah, that was the hardest part is trying to figure out, do I want to do, you know, middleweight superbike, middleweight super sport? Uh, well, I was doing Formula 40. Um, did I want to do the Grand Prix? You know, um, is my bike legal for this stuff? <laughs> yeah, is my bike legal for this one? You know, that that type of thing. Uh, and, you know, I think for me, I had to try a bunch of different classes. And that's kind of what I did yep. before kind of settled in uh, by like halfway through the, the season. I kind of settled into what which ones I liked, mm-hmm. uh, that type of thing. But I think you really just, depending on, you know, if, if you're a middleweight bike, you just do all the middleweight races and see which one you like. Uh, and, and then that's kind of how I kind of figured it out. But also, I was also playing with schedule because I didn't really have a, you know, I, th- I think I did 20 rounds in 2021 between CCS and Loudoun. That's a lot. And, and so I was also picking races just based on when, when I can leave to drive back. You know, and and so I had to figure out like I got to stay to the last race because yep. that's what it is, um, and that's kind of when you start chasing like you know championships, right? When you're like, okay, well, it, it's it, jumping around is great to learn tracks and learn the stuff, but if you try if you want to try to get a regional championship, you kind of have to pick the same races right. all the time, and 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 you had you you had to tell me that like um, at least three or four times. <laughs> well, well, that's the thing is when I started CCS, I was picking based on schedule. Like I don't want to be there to the end of the day Sunday. I've got a seven eight hour drive home, so I'm going to pick the races early Sunday, pack up and leave. Right. But once you start getting familiar with the different classes and what which ones you like with your competitive and your competitive classes and who you're riding with. Then you say, okay, well, now I might want to do a championship, so I'm going to commit to these specific races, and I'm going to follow the schedule and do and do the whole region. Right, exactly. And that's where we're at now. Right. Yeah. And and so you know, for me, uh, next 2023, I'm 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 doing the 300 Moto 3 class because I'm racing the KTM and, and coming out of the middleweight class. Uh, and I had to even looking at Wira. And looking at AHRMA, looking at their schedule, because, uh, you know, I'm hoping to race Laguna, so- Laguna Seca uh, uh, probably next year. So, you know, just looking at the schedules and stuff like that. Now it's just like, okay, 
I, I have a better understanding of what classes my bike fit in now. But when I first started, you know, I was completely clueless. Yeah, it's that there is no easy way to learn. It's and that's what I said. You just try different stuff and see what you like because it's not going to be the same for you. You might like the middleweight races. You might like the formula races or the GTs and you might like the lightweight stuff or the middleweight stuff because you have different bikes. Just give it a shot your first year or two and then you kind of figure out a plan in your head on, on what you want to commit to going forward. Yeah. And I would say last year I did two bikes, uh, two cla- two, two uh, light, uh, ultra lightweight or 300 class and the middleweight class. And I had a lot of back-to-back races. If so, if you're doing two different bike classes, um, you Stressful. might just yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm. I'm only doing one bike this year. Especially when the weather keeps raining and drying, because you don't know what to do in between. I still haven't gotten over NC bike. <laughs> <laughs> um, nice, nice. So, uh, so this year, um, new tracks. A couple of new tracks for you this year. Still staying with the the same bike, and you're not. You want to get an RS660 or uh, Yamaha R9 or R7? I mean, I, I've, I, I'm i very comfortable with the Suzuki, and I like the Suzukis, and I'm at the point that I know them, you know, mechanically inside and out. So it, it's easy for me because a, a big thing that I've always told people at the track when they're talking about racing is don't be the different guy at right. the track. Don't get the rare bike that no one has parts or knowledge for. Get what everyone has because yep. there's a reason. Get the get the Ninja, get the R6 or the Suzuki because if you crash or a part breaks like a rectifier or, or you know... Radiator. Radiator, case in point, you can go around the paddock and generally find someone that'll have a spare part and get you back on the track because, once again, you spent all that time and money to get there. It would really suck if you have to pack them and go home because of something like that. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um now, this is something I got into last year because of you and, and you know, and, you know, you started getting sponsorship and kind of, let's talk about, you know, what made you do it and, you know, you know, your thoughts on it and is it a, is it a good thing? Should everybody try to do it? Uh, is it easy, you know, or, you know? I mean, that's kind of a loaded question because it all depends on what you're trying to get out of it. Or if you're just trying to get a discount on some stuff that you buy, you know, it might work if you are expecting or looking for free products and you're willing to put in that kind of work, then that's fine as well. But you really have to know, you know, what you're committing to and, and what your expectations are from them. All right. So it's easier to get a discount than it is to say get free stuff. Right. And and when it comes down to, and, and I believe it was Eric Wood from Woodcraft that was explaining this is, you know, when you reach out to us for sponsorships, we know what you want. You want free or discounted parts. But our question is, what are you going to do for us? Because slapping a sticker on a bike and putting our name in your result sheet or, or tagging us in social media once in a while, that doesn't really do anything. You know, everyone's got the same stickers and all that. No one's going to call, look at a picture of, of Chris's bike on and go, oh, he's got a Woodcraft sticker. I'm going to call Woodcraft and say, I want whatever he has. You know, you have to put the, the interactions and, and the, the face-to-face stuff with the riders and explain and show why their parts are worth purchasing and to bring in business for them. Gotcha. And now, and so that's more, and what about the free stuff? Is that like, I mean, when you say put in work, um, because you, you get some free stuff, is fair to say, and, and, and you get some discounts as well. And, you you know, you, 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 you've been able to uh, cultivate a it seems like a beautiful relationship with some vendors that give you some some love. 
it, it wasn't easy. And, and the, the expectation when people do sponsorships is, well, I'm a fast rider. Okay, well, a lot of those guys don't really last more than two or three years. So sponsors kind of look into that because they, they want a longer commitment. They want someone that's going to be at the track, and speed ne doesn't necessarily mean dollars. Like I said, not everyone's going to go and say, I want what Chris has because he won that race. Right. They're going to go to and call them and say, I want what Chris has because I talked with him. He explained the parts. He was showing how they're useful and, and the replace, how to replace them in this. I want to try your stuff. So um, going back to the whole commitment thing, if for free products, for example, I send out newsletters every month to my sponsors with race results, championship status, um, changes to the bike, what the next event is, including professional photo uh, photos that I buy from, from all the various photographers at the track. Right. Um, I will send out um, periodically emails with, hey, do you have any products you need me to push or, or hashtags or, or what do you need me to promote for you? What, do you? what are you looking to get out of me? As well as at the end of the year, I'll send out social media stats, which shows the age, the, the gender, um, the geographical lo location. That way I can say I'm targeting your audience that you want. I'm getting this age, uh, this age rate. I'm getting this part of the country. And these are the, you know, the males between 18 to 35 are your, you know, targeted customer for racing and, and track products. Wow. Not to get too much into it, but. <laughs> Well, no, we want to. I mean, because a lot, you know, some people may just think it's easy, or some people may think it's not worth it. You know, for a while, I, you know, I, I didn't even, I didn't even think about it. I was trying to just fix my riding and ride better, ride better, and and not thinking like, oh, maybe I should get discounts and stuff, and and maybe work try to, to to get some 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 not necessarily free stuff because you got to work for it, as you just mentioned. Um, but it it it, it, it in, after being able to do it for a couple of years now, it's like yeah. Mm -hmm. it, it everything helps and i mean unless you're financially stable and you don't care about discounts or you don't want to put stickers on your bike and you just want your your own decals and logos in there then that's fine um but the big thing that i that i stress for like new riders because they'll apply for everything you don't want to be a rolling billboard right there's a couple riders that their whole bike is just full of sponsorship stickers or brands that they've purchased the problem is is when you look at a photo you can't identify one brand because they're just plastered with all these different stickers, that's not attractive to sponsors because they want they want to get the attention in the photos or when you see them on the track. Got you. Ah. Go you don't some, want to look like a mural. I got to take some stickers off my bike. <laughs> but but you understand what I'm saying. I, I, I do. Um, it's it's marketing and 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 these folk these companies they want to um, get the value from what what they're giving you. And you know, thirty percent, forty percent on a discount is is great, especially if you crash a lot, uh, or you know, your camera will fall off the straightaway, like my GoPro did down at uh, NC Bike, because uh, I didn't, you know, safety wire it to my bike. <laughs> well, it's 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 not just crashing too; it's maintenance. If you do a lot of riding, you're going to burn through a lot of oil. You're going to burn through a lot of tires. You, you're just going to use a lot of parts. Right. Shout out to Motul and Michelin. And Michelin, yeah, mm -hmm. of course. <laughs> good, good, good peoples. <laughs> You use Michelin tires too. I use Michelin tires for sure, um, and Motul oil as well. So, um, but it, that is the thing, you know, finding brands you like, uh, and if you do like these products, then you know, look to see if they have sponsor programs, and and pretty much apply, right? And, and another thing of advice that that I personally have, have given out to riders is, 
don't pick the sponsorship just because they're giving you an offer. If it's not something that you like or would want to use, don't waste your time. Right. So I, I've seen, and it's more common with influencers that they'll, whatever gets thrown at them, and you know, let's just say a suit or a jacket they got for free because they're an influencer, and if they crashed and the suit tore, tears apart, they end up messaging me going, man, I, I really wish I didn't take the suit and I, I would have rather buy one of a better quality or any any sort of brands like that. Yeah, no, for sure. You definitely uh, don't want free stuff just to be free. You kind of have to like it. I mean, I think I heard the Shaquille O'Neal say this, but it's anything, anybody in general. Like, why would you, you know, invest or, or spend time in something you don't really like? I mean, I guess if you just want to check. Right. I mean, I, I will only do sponsorships with brands that I would or have bought if I had to pay full retail. Um, I just... I've, I've had offers with other helmets and all that, and it's like, I, I appreciate that, but I'll only wear a rye. So if I can't get a deal with a rye, I'm still going to buy them, but I, I turn down other other brands. Got you, got you. Now, the brands that, like talking at the track and talking about, you know, brands at the track that you deal with and, and, and you know, because you're, you're a Michelin, now do you, and you, you're traveling up and down. How do you find... Um, you know, working with that organization and, and, you know, dealing with different tire guys, for lack of a better word, at, at the tracks? Um, it's good. I mean, you, you build a relationship the more you ride with them, uh, the more you work with them. And um, sometimes you go, like in the South, for example, there's, there's often not a Michelin vendor. So I usually will bring tires with me and, and have a different vendor uh, install them. And if I have questions regarding the tire wear, the, the vendors that I do work with normally in the season, they're great. I can send them photos and ask questions, and they respond. Nice, nice. Um, have you tried other brands besides Michelin, or you kind of was like always Michelin? So the other thing that I highly recommend for track day riders or, or even racers when they're starting is to try everything. You don't know what you're going to like unless you try it. Same thing with going to different racetracks. So I have ridden on every tire, um, with the exception of Bridgestone, but I, I have used Bridgestone reins. Gotcha. Yeah, I think I have Bridgestone Reigns. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I've tried everyone except for Dunlop. Um, that's the only one I haven't tried. Mm-hmm. But um, other than that, and, you know, it's funny, I, 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 I rode Michelin's and then, you know, switched to Bridgestone for a quick second and, and I'm back to Michelin. And I thought about going to Pirelli for a little bit, but I think I'm going to run this year on, on the Michelin's because I, I have honestly no complaints about them. I actually started my race my race season um, when I started as a rookie on Continental. Ah, uh-huh. there's a few people that run Continental. Bam, bam, yep. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I, I maybe cars. I might have had some <laughs> Continentals. That's, that's about it. Uh, now let's talk about like you know. So you, the maintenance you do on your bike, you pretty much do uh, all of it. But you know, like, like, do you do you tear down your engine as well? Do you tear down your suspension? Do you send those things out? Um, and kind of like, what do you do in the off season? Because you know, until until you go racing again. Where uh, this year is an anomaly because I think the last few years there was like no off season. Year round, <laughs> year round for two <laughs> two or three years. So maintenance is a big thing because you if you're exp- you need to have a consistent performing vehicle, uh, vehicle, a motorcycle. And if you don't keep up with the maintenance, then the, the bike won't perform consistently and it's going to impact your performance and you won't feel confident in the bike to ride at, at your potential. So uh, to answer your question, 
I don't work on motor or suspension internals. Okay. Those are when I take them off and I hand them to the professionals and say, work your magic. Um, but anything else is, is mine. So right after Daytona, I, I swapped the frames because I had a crack in one of them from, from an old wreck. And I do this every year too. I, I will re-grease and repack the chassis bearings or replace them. And that's including the, the linkage, the steering head bearings, the, the swing arm bearings, even the wheel bearings too. Right. Um, because as soon as those things start to go, the, the bike's just not going to feel right. Yeah, I, yeah, absolutely right. Um, and you're the first person that that, that I that I heard, and because you told me that you're doing all these things, and I was like, I didn't even, I didn't even think of all that. Uh, and you know, um, brakes. I yeah, I was gonna. I, was gonna say. I clean I clean my brake pistons every other race weekend. Wow. Um, just to keep that performance, just to keep the dust from building up up there and and causing brake failures, because when it comes down to it, it's my life. You know, not only do I going to endanger my own life but my fellow racers around me and you know i i just don't know how i would you know go on right right if, if i if i cause somebody to get severely hurt or worse because i was being lazy with my maintenance yeah no get your maintenance done folks get them done because it's, it's very important um i think i slacked off uh last year a little bit because uh, I, I definitely had like issues at the beginning of the year that i could have avoided um, if I was just, if I just looked my bike over, well, listen to me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll listen to to Jim, uh, which I'm do I'm, I'm, I do a lot more, and and it's helped me out a lot uh, going up and down the East Coast, and you know it, it's made my life easier because I, I, I you know going to these places by yourself and just being completely green. Sure, the track is most people are friendly, and and somebody will point you in the right direction. But sometimes you don't you know you don't want to overstep your welcome or whatever case may be. That's how I kind of feel about it. So it was easy that, you know, how we connected and, and, and then just going down, going down um, all these different tracks. And I mean, the last few years has just been pretty cool. Took you like two years before, before you started changing a gearing for uh, racetracks. And it took me about like six months, <laughs> but still. <laughs> By the time we got to Daytona in, in, in um, October, I was changing my gearing. <laughs> <laughs> the first year um that's right because that that's that's when i re really started talking to you a lot is is when we had the garage and you were frustrated because you you brought your bike to a shop to have them do the daytona gearing and they they messed the gearing up they did the wrong ratio and the wrong size chain and, and you couldn't even get your tire warmer on yeah and you were ready to pack up and go home i'm like what are you out of your mind how much did you spend to get down here and, and do all this and I was like, screw that. I'm like, go, go to the vendor, go buy another chain. We're going to, we're going to fix this. You're going to get into the next practice. Yep. And that, that's how it worked out. And, you know, I, I did fairly well that, that weekend and, you know, it, it, but it's pretty wild because it, it's like, you know, if, if you don't know certain things, you, you kind of just get stuck. So it's always good to just have somebody that, that, that kind of can help you out, especially in the beginning um, and, 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 and make it easy. So everybody should have a gym uh, when they go riding for the first that, time. That, that's the problem with the Zookies because I've been racing so long on the same bike. Everyone's like, oh, you have a problem with the Jixxer? Are you looking for a part? Oh, the guy over there with, with the multiple canopies, he's probably got the tool, the part, or, or know how to get it or get one for right. you. Right. And that's the other thing, right? Like the amount of tools that you have, it, it, it's like legit. Like you have a, you have a tool. You have, a, you have to have everything you need. It's not always easy starting out. Um, which we talked about on some other episodes, but you know, like your your tool, your, your you know your toolbox got everything. Um, and so I actually just went through it in October and started taking out duplicates and things that I don't need. But my toolbox is essentially set up 
for me to disassemble the bike all the way down to a frame and then built it back up um, just in that event because I, I did it at a friend's garage after Daytona. Nice. So I've got all the special sockets and everything there and everything's all organized for, for quick and easy access. Nice, nice. That way, you know, when we have a quick rain, you know, when it starts to rain and you got to change your tires really quick, I can go, hey, Chris, go into that second drawer on the left-hand side, get me the, the 10 millimeter socket. Yeah, and, that, and it, that's exactly how it sounds. And I'm like, and I still be like, I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, <laughs> I've gotten better. I've gotten better. Um, you know, my toolbox game is, 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 is coming up. I was actually thinking about, you know, pulling out some tools that I may not need. But now that you said all that, I'm, they're going back in. <laughs> well, um, any, any, anyone you want to shout out or uh, any sponsors you want to talk about, um, I, you know, I want to thank you for coming on. Um, it's been a wealth of knowledge and I can't wait till I think April or well, you're going racing next month. I wish I was. <laughs> you still can. You still have the opportunity, um, but, um, fingers crossed. <laughs> um, uh, like Chris mentioned, I'm, I'm, I'm big on Motul. I've, I've been partnered with them since I think 2013, 2014 about now. Um, you know, they've, they've always been really great to me and, um, I'm very fortunate to now um, have a partnership with Michelin as well. And looking forward to their their new power performance tire that just came out. So I'm going to be using that this year. Nice. I just got on Motul. I'm not a partner yet, but I get discounts. Uh, well, thanks for coming on. It's the Be Forever Cool podcast. My name is Rex45. This is Jim. Peace. <laughs>